Hello and welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by Inform Millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-winged perspective. It is Saturday, March 16th, 2019. I am Travis. I'm Rachel. And uh, it is beautiful, bright sunshine and 50 degrees out, whereas two days ago it was the bomb cyclone yes. that we're still kind of digging out from. Yes, we had a... Blizzard, but what is actually a category to hurricane over land. Kind of, yeah. Um, bomb cyclone here in Denver and in Colorado. It was crazy. Um, Maybe not as crazy as it could have been here in Denver, but we got a lot of snow and it was windy and the and roads were terrible. And, no, and there were we heard ambulances day and night yeah. for all the wrecks for people trying to drive. Uh-huh. That shouldn't have been driving or couldn't drive or shitty bosses that said, no, you need to come to work anyway. There were 1,300 flights canceled. They closed down a major highway. Um, All the schools were closed. It was a a big thing. Yeah, and that'll start being a regular regular thing thanks to climate change. Yep. But we'll uh, we'll get to that later. Uh, We are off to a late start this morning because we had the audacity to sleep in. (laughs) Imagine that. Yeah, we don't have a movie review for you this week. I'm sorry. No. But uh, I've had a show last night. Yeah, yeah, I played some loud music, and um, okay, that that covers all the personal stuff, right? Exactly. Is there anything else you want to share? <laughs> no. No. Okay. Well, now you're caught up with our lives, and I hope that was as exciting for you as it was for us sharing. <laughs> uh, and now on to politics and world news and stuff. Uh, I want to talk about. Uh, I want to just get just right at the top of the of the show. Let's talk about the terror attack in New Zealand. Yes. Um, and I have a lot of things to say about it in addition to uh, the fallout from it and what sort of um, Twitter has been doing about it. And uh, I just have a lot of things to say. So <clears throat> this dude in New Zealand, apparently uh, from what he wrote, inspired by American white supremacist uh, ideology, shot up some mosques in New Zealand. Yeah, ironically, one of his top uh, influencers was Candace Owens, who herself is actually a woman of color, but is virulently Islamophobic. So that was kind of interesting. He's, you know, he knows no bounds. We can... Who cares? <laughs> right. yeah. um, it's not Candace Owens' fault, although I'm sure, you know, she's she was noted, but so was President Trump, and so was uh, sort of like 4chan and the whole yeah. um, radicalizing of white people yeah, against that, immigrants. That, that whole cesspool of, of racism and white nationalism that is, you know, dominating the internet in certain ways and yeah. the airwaves. Right. And, like, can we just be real honest that, like, white people are the worst thing that's ever happened to the world? Um, We just seem to know no bounds of treachery and awfulness. Um, And so it's been interesting, I think, there's a couple of things. First, the reaction uh, on the right has been horrifying and bizarre. Um, like you could keep it really simple. If you wanted to be a weasel, you could just say thoughts and prayers and go away. Right. Like they usually do. But that's not what's happening. That's not what's happening. They're, 
I, I don't even, I mean, there's not a cohesive message, but there's a lot of weird ones, whether it's from Louis Gohmert or from the president himself or from right-wing punditry. It's sort of like yell, saying, gosh, this was horrible, and then yelling about immigration. And don't talk about it. Right. We don't want to talk about it. Right. That we is don't a, that want is to talk an, about that it. That is an important one. Because certainly, mm-hmm. if it was the San Bernardino shooting or Pulse or any of these others, they sure wanted to talk about everything and, and the, the person's name and their ideology and how did this happen. About, mm-hmm. And now, white guy shooting up a bunch of mosques, lo, we, let's, not, let's not ask too many questions. Let's not give he any details. He has this like, 65-page manifesto, which apparently is just like... Reading Trump speeches, essentially, yes, um, yes. and reading Fox News and reading Breitbart. <clears throat> so um, very conveniently now, the Ben Shapiro's of the world <laughs> and the Hannity's and the Fox News. Oh, well, let's not give him the what, don't what he, talk about. Don't it. make him famous because that's what he wants. And don't talk about his platform. Don't say anything that he said. <laughs> and why is that, Travis? Why don't they want us to tell you what he said? Well, uh, Cynically, we know why, but in theory, if we were to take that at face value, which we don't, but if we were, it's because of this belief, and MSNBC was trying to do this a bit earlier by blurring out his image, is that if you if you give them the 15 minutes of fame they're seeking, these, these people who commit these sort of lone wolf terrorist acts, that just feeds into... Uh, others wanting to do that. And then if we if we don't give them the fame and notoriety they seek, um, then maybe they won't do it or something. I, I, I don't know. It, it's obviously flawed from a million different angles. Uh, but that is the that is the premise under which these right wing assholes are pretending to mm-hmm. to uh, latch on to. Right. right we care about Muslims and so we won't we don't want anyone else to attack them. So don't say the things that he said because or we're gonna it follow, might inspire right. someone else to do the same thing. Right. We're going to follow these conventional rules that that people have been talking about and banding about for the last few decades over how we should handle a situation like this. It's all bullshit. Of course it's bullshit. It's all bullshit. <laughs> it's all bullshit. We don't want you talking about what he said because it's the same thing that we say every single day, That's all right. day long on our news programs. That's right. We don't want you to talk about what he says because it's going to sound eerily similar to what you've heard it's us going say to be verbatim. and yell and scream about for the last decade. We don't want to talk about what he said or why he might have done this because it's going to reflect that he did this precisely because this is what we do. With the the exact things that we've been saying, the fear mongering that we have been representing, the the Islamophobia that we've been spouting for the last decade and a half, yeah, is the cause for this act of violence against these people. That is why, <clears throat> and they don't want that, obviously. And so, don't believe, don't buy into the bullshit, right? Like, read what he said. Because what he said is verbatim what they say every night on the news. Yeah. And and Louis Gohmert had a very weird take, too, on Twitter that people are dissecting. And it's a little more subtle. It's not entirely at face He's value. He's not known for that. What did he say? Um, well, it, it's not subtle to us, but it, it's subtle to people who don't pay attention. I, not to sound horribly condescending, but it's um, he basically said this act was, was barbaric and terrible and controversies are better handled through the courts and the existing laws or something like that. Controversy. Exactly. Controversy. 
What's what is there? Where is their controversy? The the controversy. I, I guess what he was saying is it's controversial or problematic that there were mosques in New Zealand, and so this guy should have handled that through. I guess electing Islamophobes to use the law through legal discrimination, legal discrimination rather legal than legal bigotry, rather than picking up a gun is is basically what but he's not wrong. He just went about it by the wrong means. Exactly. Great. And that caught a lot of heat, and people were, "What the fuck, Louis Gomert?" But that's Louis Gomert, and he is yep. a sitting member of the United States Congress, and and that is an example of how we got here. Right. Um, by normalizing hate. So what Louis Gomert is saying is. Well, basically, you could strip everything else away, and Louis Gomert might as well tweeted, like, yeah, it is problematic that there are mosques in New Zealand. Muslims and, shouldn't and, exist. And tweet. And tweet. Muslims should not exist. Oh, I guess, I, you, I guess you shouldn't, you know, massacre them like that, but it is problematic that... Well, we should massacre them differently. <laughs> right. We should just force them off the land or, you know, whatever. To what? where? I hell if I know, man. Right. So <clears throat> that uh, is part of it, and then um, I've been on Twitter a lot this morning, and um, <laughs> white people, we got to talk again. Um, all right, so I guess there was some controversy around. Um, you know, this is a this I guess weekend is a holy day for Muslims, and and that was why I think this was particularly harmful, and, and probably why it happened the day that it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been some vigils and some things, and uh, in a couple of areas, some of the Muslim folks asked to sort of be left alone to have it be a sort of Muslim safe space to not have a bunch of interlopers come in. Um, and white people got very mad about this. Very, very, <laughs> very fucking angry about it. And they've been yelling at people on Twitter all morning about it. And um, <laughs> white fragility, man. I, you know, I think it's important to talk about. Like, I think it's okay for marginalized people to need to be in a space where they are with their own people and not be around people that do not share, right, whatever marginalization that they have. Um, In particular because what often happens is we have this sort of publicized vigil and then a bunch of fucking white people come in and start talking and they take up all the space. (laughs) White men usually. White men usually. And today it's been white women on Twitter, man. I swear to God, because Chelsea Clinton's involved and we'll get into that in a minute. And um, this, we saw this a lot during um, the sort of height of the Black Lives Matter protests that there would be uh, white supposed allies that would go to the protests and, and literally grab the literally grab the microphone from the reporters and talk about why Black Lives Matter <laughs> when there's all of these actual Black people um, protesting for their literal lives and their families' lives. And, and in some Standing case, right in some case, it is the reporter shoving the microphone into the face of the one right. white person. That's right, there. and that job of that white person in that moment is to say, "Don't fucking talk to me." Yeah. I'm not. I'm not the focus not of this. Me. This I'm, is not I'm, about me. I'm, I'm here, here in solidarity. Support. It's like it's go like, talk to that lady. Go talk to that guy. It's like right? going to an AA meeting as somebody's support, but then just standing up and giving your life story. Right. About all the ways in which addicts have hurt you. Like there's a different program for that. Yes. Man. Yes. Um. 
And so, so there's been a lot of backlash from white people about this idea that maybe this isn't about you. And maybe you don't need to be there. And if they don't want you there, maybe that your best act of solidarity is to respect what they fucking wish and just back the fuck up. This isn't about you. It's not about you. And for people who are mourning and grieving and afraid on one of their holy days to have white people bring the flowers and right and and coming in and giving speeches and like (laughs) we don't need you to give speeches. It's almost like this arrogance of. Oh well, you know, you you weird Muslim people like we we're on your side now, us right. white people, and mm-hmm. it's like, well, that's nice, but can we please have what right. you ungrateful? You are so ungrateful. So <laughs> it's like it's I was on Twitter this morning, and um, Elizabeth Epps, one of the activists here in Denver that I talk about a lot, um, was just saying like, you know, you not respecting the wishes of people who ask you not to show up is not allyship it's white violence Mm -hmm. it is white supremacy in action um it's not about you and this fucking white woman comes back and says basically um this is a really bad take martin (laughs) luther king jr like a white woman telling elizabeth epps about martin luther king jr i had to yell at her on twitter yes she's gonna white explain martin luther king jr to to a black black activist activist. yes that's really a good idea (laughs) it's an excellent idea that is that is what we should be doing as white allies supposedly right um just stop and when you say something wrong and the person that you say it to has the generosity to come back and tell you why you're wrong. Shut your fucking mouth. Yeah. Listen to them. When they tell you that you're wrong, that is your opportunity to say thank you for telling me and reflect and think about it. It is not your job to then, her little response was, you're horrible. You're horrible. I hate you, and I'm gonna go cry white lady tears now. And like, well, this is the thing. About- and so she's like, I'm not here for like white women's fragility. Stop. And she's like, I'm not fragile. And it's like, no, literally, you fell apart. You literally said something that you shouldn't have said, and then somebody told you to fucking stop. And then you were like, oh well, I'm, this is not fair. And blah. like, it's it's. And this is just one instance. I've seen this like all day long, and I'm like. It's fucking exhausting. But that's very typical for people who tend to call, not all, but many people who tend to call themselves moderate or liberal white people, especially of a certain generation and age. I think the younger you go, the more relativistic people are and, and maybe understand these things a little better. But Yeah, this is a middle aged white woman lawyer. Yeah, but but white suburbanish I don't want to totally generalize, but white suburbanish calling themselves moderate or liberal white people like something like this happens in New Zealand and they feel bad about it. Mm -hmm. And now, well, now it's about my pain. I I Mm -hmm. have to, so like they want to go, I hate to laugh, but it's so absurd. No, it is. It's exactly right. And now they want to go stand in a group of Muslim people and say, what happened to you was so terrible. I have feelings about it. I need to express. Yes. I have feelings and I feel bad. I feel really sad and And, bad and and it's about me now. Yes. And when you say it's not about you, shut the fuck up. You go, oh, this is absolutely absurd that it's not about me. How dare you say that? Don't you need allies? Martin Luther King said everybody could come (laughs) to the protest and how dare you say I'm not allowed to have feelings about it? It's like, shut the fuck up already. Yeah, it would. Holy shit. It would be like if, if you have a friend or a loved one and some people do this and they had a tragedy 
and you go to them and, and you say, how, you know, what can I do? How can I help? You know, and like, you know what, right now, can I just need a little space and time? And you say, no, that's not acceptable. I, I, I need to get in your face and. I need it, to tell you about how I feel about your tragedy because yes. I feel bad because I met that person once. Yeah. And now I'm going to spill my feelings all over you, even though it's your tragedy, because I, I can't imagine that it isn't about me. Exactly. And yeah. and we we see this all the time over and over again, and it's maddening and it never stops. And they're doing it again, even in light of this horrible massacre and tragedy, they're, they're doing it again. And, and stop, white people. Right. Stop. Stop. Just stop. And these are like what I would call like, well-meaning but horrible white people, right? Yes. There's the then there's this is where are, the nuance are, are comes in. Are they really well-meaning though, or right. do they think they're well-meaning? They think they're well-meaning. Yeah. Right. Because ultimately, at their core, they're doing the same thing that the horrible conservatives are doing. Yes. It, it, it's just under a different a different censoring facade. themselves. Yeah. In every narrative and that being, exists, and being white supremacists. Yes. Exactly. And so there's also this other counter narrative that's like. How dare you call out supposed allies when the root of this is really fascism and Republicans and conservatives and right wingers and and they're that they have created this culture of anti you know of, of Islamophobia and xenophobia and all yeah and, okay that's so true but that's fair. not the point but that's not the point there can, por qué no los dos why not both it can be the two it can be the two there can be in Trump's America. But prior to Trump's America, let's be really clear, um, Islamophobia and violence against Muslim people and xenophobia and anti-immigrant tendencies and all of that. And yes, it is being stoked by the right wing out loud, proudly, in public, from people in power. Unapologetically, that's absolutely fucking true. And yes, that is why this happened. And all of that is true. And... Liberal, centrist, white, moderate people, the whole span of them that have not done the hard work of extracting and decolonizing their brains and their minds and their hearts Mm -hmm. are also engaging in white supremacy by centering themselves in this argument. Yes. That is also true. Those things can both be true. And the second thing that happened with Chelsea Clinton was she went to a vigil and a young Muslim college student um, confronted her and uh, lashed out about how her um, criticism of Rep. Elon Omar mm-hmm. um, was was Islamophobic yeah. and that like she's part of the problem and you know she's a young college kid and so maybe she didn't say it in just the right way but man has the world fucking melted down about it and. Somebody said earlier, like, um, Chelsea Clinton is pretty influential and powerful. <laughs> She's going to be fine. It's okay for a college kid to yell at her. And I think Chelsea Clinton handled it the I, best she could. I think she did great. I think she handled it just fine. I think she could have done better, but... She's and I don't think she was expecting that. And in that right. moment, she just she just said, "I'm she terribly sorry that you feel that way." And I'm listening. And she sat right. there and took it. And that's all you can do. Right. And I also think. I mean, and and the world has melted down. You can't. This is a pregnant woman. You're yelling at pregnant women. What that has to do with anything? Oh, I have you no can yell idea. At Chelsea Clinton. We like Chelsea. We yell at her. Yeah. No. I mean, 
you're a white lady who came into a space of a bunch of Muslim people who are grieving, and you recently um, got on the right-wing bullshit bandwagon of yelling at Elon Omar for being anti-Semitic, for having been critical of APEC and the Jewish state. In all honesty, honesty, and this is part of the problem, it wasn't just the right-wing. Right, no, agreed. No, it was it was everybody pretty much across the board, um, the exception of of some. But Chelsea Clinton got right on board with um, that, and and I think it's a fair criticism to say. Uh, I, I don't know if it was as fair. I think they might have gone a little far in 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 sort of certainly the blame, the blame is not. Her. To be placed on Chelsea Clinton's shoulders or whatever, right? Or anybody who might have want to have called out some of Omar's statements as being um, problematic, which even I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that was horribly exacerbated, like you said, by Chelsea Clinton Clinton putting herself right in that place at that time. Right, right. It's not. I mean, I don't think they like invited her to come. It's not the no, point of this. Not, it's a right. fucking. Vigil for Muslim people to grieve together and pray. And here comes rich, famous white lady who was just talking shit about the only Muslim representative, I think, in Congress at the moment. Um, And so she had a reaction and everybody is just freaking the fuck out and melting down. And like, you know, I know white lady tears are like extra potent, um, especially like pregnant white lady tears. And maybe a lot of these white women who are really still upset about Clinton, her mom, having lost the election. Which we are, too. Of course. Um, it feels like the perfect sort of, like... It's, yeah, it's don't re- reliving the, the Bernie thing, right? stuff again. Oh, right, man. and so, I, you know, I think that's a lot of where this is coming from. But it also is coming from a place of white supremacy, of this idea that that we cannot ever criticize anyone on our own side. We can't criticize one another. We can't... Um, hold each other accountable and if we if anyone tries to hold white people accountable then it is an attack on allyship and that is white supremacy to say that yeah to say that that you're maybe not always welcome and maybe it's not about you and maybe just shut your fucking mouth um is an attack and that you then fuck you I'm not going to be your ally which you obviously weren't in the first place is another example of white supremacy and so I would just like to all of us reflect on that today and every day and Think about how you take up space in the world and think about when tragedies happen that aren't about you, that don't directly involve you, how you can actually be an ally instead of a fake, you know, sort of headline grabbing ally. Mm -hmm. Faux allyship is not helpful. It's not about you. Being an ally means really doing the work of helping the people who are affected. And that means listening to them. And that means understanding that your place is really just in support and not in, you know, taking up their space. Yeah. So let's try to do that today, white people. If you are with the the victims of the attack and other, uh, you know, Muslim people you may know who are hurting right now, um, listen to them. Don't mm-hmm. talk. Mm-hmm. Listen, if you want to be an ally. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, if, if they tell you or they express that they're okay with you being there in their space to, to comfort them, then great. And right. if not, stay the fuck away. In Denver, for example, there's a vigil that's going to be held tonight. Um, and the Muslim community has expressed that they everyone is welcome, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. And I hope that the people who go there who are not Muslim um, can try to just respect that space, that you've been invited into that space 
and to take the opportunity to listen and to, um, you know, help others mourn and not, and not center yourself. And for other communities who choose not to do that, please respect that. And it's not about you and it's not an attack on you. It's about, you just sometimes need to be with your people and Mm -hmm. not other people. I remember after Pulse happened, I felt very strongly about like, I just want to like go to a gay bar for a minute, you know, like I just wanted to be around queer people because it just felt so, um, specific and acute. Um, and I, I'm sure that, that a lot of Muslim folks feel that way today and you have to allow for that. So that's my two cents. Okay. Um, moving on from that, there's a ton we're going to try to get to. I don't know that we'll get to all the relevant news of the week, but I wanted to talk about something that, um, Trump said uh, earlier this week in a in an interview with Breitbart. Why is Trump doing inter- well? I mean, why am I asking that question? Never mind. Yeah. Well, he basically <laughs> he he basically said, you know, I the the cops and the military and mm. and these tough biker gangs are all on my side, mm-hmm. and you know they're they, under control for right they're, now. They're under but, control for now, but mm, if if I you things know things go bad, it's not going to be if that. If I way. sick them on my enemies, that that would be really bad. And a lot of people reacted in horror. For the most part, people didn't even hear about it because it was buried under the avalanche of other news. And that is really really troublesome. Like on the surface, it sounds like bluster, and it probably is bluster. And mm. you 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 would have to wonder to an extent if you you played this all out. Trump gave the order for the National Guard to like fire on a bunch of protesters in the Washington Mall. They probably wouldn't happen, but it's not impossible. And and here's the problem. When you extrapolate what would happen, let let's say take anything, the woman's march or 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 any sort of protest, uh, you know, let, this almost happened when he was doing a rally in Chicago in 2016. So let's say 2020, he's doing a rally in, in a major city or, or a decent sized city and a big group of protesters come up and he's got his bikers for Trump out there or local police and mm-hmm. police just decide to go ahead and attack a bunch of protesters to maybe kill some. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's caught on camera and it's it's a it's a horrible event. And how would that go down? Now, a lot of people sort of comfort themselves by saying, well, if that happened, then it would really be over and everybody would turn on him. And mm. I'm not so sure about that. And and I did a tweet storm on this and I kind of, is it okay if I read it? Yeah. Because I, I think this, like we've seen how these things can play out and it would probably play out to not really changing much, unfortunately. I I try not to be overly cynical by saying that but let me let me just read you this thread okay trump's threat to sick the cops military or biker gangs on his political enemies um you know what this was the statement that was made in breitbart the other day while this insane statement has mostly been ignored or brushed aside let's do a thought experiment on what the reaction would be if something like that actually happened say one of the aforementioned groups attacked a group of protesters outside a trump 2020 rally While most of us would be horrified and much of the media would follow suit, the reaction would hardly be unanimous. Almost instantly, right-wing blogs, news outlets, radio, along with social media trolls and foot soldiers would be presenting video and supposed first-hand accounts, doctored, exaggerated, or otherwise, showing, quote, what really happened, which would invariably supposedly show the protesters instigating the altercation. Think back to the... uh, Charlottesville. Well, even more recently, the, uh, the, the... 
Covington Christian kids and the native guy, right? right? All the supposedly camera angles said, oh, he was the aggressor because he was banging a drum. Um, this is tried and true. This is a tried and true tactic by authoritarian regimes, and there's no doubt whatsoever this protocol would go immediately into effect in the scenario. Adding to that, much, if not all, of the quote mainstream news would at least humor the idea that the violence was started or caused by anti-Trump protesters. Can you not see NPR telling you the following morning, while video accounts we have seen appear to show police and the motorcycle gang attack the protesters without provocation, there is controversy heating up about who actually started it. I mean, I'm sorry. I can I can hear that and Mm -hmm. I, I can see it coming. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I probably just nailed it word for word. In fact, they may not even bother with the first part, qualifying what we can see with our own eyes and go right for the both sides gymnastics. How about Congress? While Democrats will howl and a few Republicans, we should expect that many, if not most Republicans, to suddenly become very hard to get a hold of for comment or revert to the I haven't seen the video so I can't comment, as many did at least early on after Charlottesville. And how will Trump respond? Need we even ask? I fear the reaction to an event like this will fall basically along partisan lines and there's historical precedent to examine. After the Kent State Massacre in May of 1970, and if you don't know what that is, look it up. I'm not going to, you know, go back. But basically the National Guard shot a bunch of unarmed college kids protesting the Vietnam War at Kent State. Nixon's cold indifference was hardly met with a shrug. The Vietnam War raged on and he won re-election easily two years later. Now, obviously, times are far different, but why would we assume that if a similar event happened tomorrow, it would be met with widespread outrage facilitating significant political change? It helps that Trump and Republicans are already unpopular, but the groundwork has already been laid for an event like this to be allowed, or at least to be so heavily disputed as to the cause, as to confuse the average American enough to not assign blame. Why do you think the right-wing punditry, social media, and even Republican office holders readily vilify Antifa and Black Lives Matter as, quote, terrorist groups and the like? The bottom line is, take Trump very seriously when he proclaims he'll use uniformed force or vigilante thugs to hurt or murder his enemies, and don't assume the result of that action would necessitate would necessarily cause so much damage as to end or damage his presidency. The danger is real, and we all have to be extra vigilant. Yes, I agree with all of that. And I'm going to add to it, which is I think that's absolutely true. And what I'm worried about is not necessarily that he's saying the cops and the military and the biker thugs are going to come after protesters. What Mm -hmm. I think I hear him dog whistling to them and really saying out loud in public to them is if I go down... You come out swinging. If I get indicted, Mm -hmm. if I lose the election, Mm -hmm. if anything happens to me, I'm letting you know that you should come out and create chaos and violence. And it's not necessarily just directed at protesters. This is him saying, look, he knows he knows better than anybody that the cops, right, are heavily aligned with white supremacist organizations. Yes, that within the military, we have let you know uh, that countless times, right? Um, that right, like that militias that he has, that there are forces within the government and outside of it that um, would love nothing more mm-hmm. than to have a coup, if you will. Um, and I think what he's signaling to them is like, hey, shit's heating up with the Mueller investigation, and shit's heating up with the Democratic primary and the election in 2020 and it's really possible that I will lose and if that is the case let's have a fucking coup yeah 
I mean, that's what I'm scared of. I'm not so scared of like the media's reaction, although I think it's an excellent point that even if there was a protest and a bunch of, I mean, it already happens. <laughs> Cops beat the shit out of protesters and protect the white supremacists, and and that's what happens. Yeah, it happens again. That's and what again happens and again and again. again. They are Portland not. They're not there to protect the protesters of of the white supremacists. They're there to protect the white supremacists against. The protesters. Yes. And we know that from Charlottesville that they were directly communicative and aligned with them. And, you know, and from <laughs> countless just every day, all day long. Yeah. There is a serious white supremacist contingent inside of law enforcement in this country. It's just a fucking fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the military and in militias, I mean, they're just like sort of outright white supremacists. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my concern is actually more that. That this is a sort of call to arms of like, hey, get ready. Some shit's going to go down and you're on my side. Now, and now people sounded this alarm in 2016, like, oh, if Trump loses, he's just not going to, it's like, uh, I was less worried about that because yeah. he had his, his, he still had all his shitty businesses and he his Trump TV. He figured he was going to lose. I didn't yeah. think that that was going to be a problem, but having No, he had, would have said horrible things, right. but it wouldn't have had the gravitas probably to move that many people. No. But now... He's looking at the very real possibility of, you know, he steps foot out of office and he is indicted and looking at perhaps the rest of his life in prison. Right. Um, So he's going to do whatever he he needs to do. Whatever it takes to stay in power. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would actually be shocked if he, if he loses the election and, and, and goes out peacefully, unless he's got some prearranged thing to literally hop on like a, a flight peaceful transition and go to Europe. Power. Why would he do that? Why? The, the only, the only way that's possible is if he, he hops on a private jet and goes right to Moscow and declares asylum. Yeah. Like literally that, that's it. Like, okay, I'm out of here. Bye. <laughs> like, um, no, because because at this point, yeah, remember, because I'm not going to get too into the weeds on it again. But the the DOJ has issued guidance that you can't indict a sitting president. Now, that's just that's just a, a 40 year old memo or a 50 year old memo. And it, it does not necessarily uh, something that has to be followed. But people assume that Mueller probably will. Uh, and so all these crimes that we know of are being investigated probably by, you know, SDNY and, and um, the right. FBI can then, you know, lean on and all his money laundering and everything. When he's out of office, he knows that. Yes. So the only remedy is to stay in office as long as possible. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or and in- what he's saying to those armed militants is you're going to help me do that. I'm tell I'm I'm calling you forth to help me make sure that I stay in office so that I stay out of jail. Yeah. By any means necessary. It's a very real possibility. So It's a terrifying thing, but it's also something that you and I've been talking about for quite some time, which yeah. is like, you know, <laughs> when you back this man into a corner, it it's going to get violent and mm-hmm. scary and bad. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And the closer like after the, you know, the 2018 primary um he he's just been sort of a crazy person <laughs> um and then with all of these democrats um announcing their candidacy and and him understanding how close really the 2020 election is and how likely it is that he'll lose um 
yeah, I think it's just going to get and it may, it scarier may, it and It makes scarier. you wonder, because I know Armando and others were kind of losing their shit earlier. Pelosi this week said, well, I don't like impeachment. We're not going to do that. Um, we're leaving sort of the door open. Well, we might if Unless, this or that right. happened. But um, it's like maybe she's like, look, we have to keep this guy from basically trying to start a civil war yes. until we can sort this all out. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to say I'm taking impeachment off the table to back right. him down. We need to beat him in an election so that there is no... So that there is precedent for him to have to leave. Yeah. Right? Like, we don't want impeachment because I... She right, might be playing a longer, like wider game. Starting a civil war. Dealing with a crazy person um, right. than just face value. Well, I don't believe in impeachment. It's it's very divisive. Like, no, maybe she's saying, saying we're dealing with a crazy person who wants to name who himself... Who is correct in that he has the police and the military on his side. Yeah. Um, and we don't need to do that. We need to have, like, a legit No, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that, you know, impeachment hearings would kind of air all that out, including if he was planning to have a coup. But... I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to get too into that. I think Armando and Joan and Kegro discussed it uh, at length. Uh, you know, so check out his podcast for more of that. But yeah, I don't have a lot to say about that other than like, there's just other things to be considered. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't too worried about her saying that. Like, we have such a long. It's way not to like go. an endorsement of Trump. It's just saying like, there's. Hush I don't babies. Know. I don't Hush know. babies. There's bigger things. Yeah, do. true. But th- there's good arguments. I'd say that like there was, it didn't do any good for her to say it. But I, I who knows? I agree. It could be. Because I don't think she needed to say it, but she maybe said it so he could hear it. And yeah. I mean, I don't know what her motivations are, but she's very savvy. So I want to get into the whole college thing in the second half. Yeah. Um, real quick, can we pivot to the state of the Democratic primary? Sure. Uh, so Beto is in. Yep. Uh, Biden keeps doing this little dance where he, he's showing you a little leg and then he puts his skirt back down and then he, uh, sorry for the analogy. And I'm like not impressed. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't need to see Ooh, your, here's a little thigh. Oh, oh no, I don't I'm putting, care about I'm, your thigh. I'm putting the skirt back down. You could literally strip naked and I wouldn't look. So, so, so Biden's doing this on never ending strip tease. Like oh, maybe I'm going to run. Oh, everybody says I'm going to run. I'm going to announce tomorrow. Oh, no, maybe not. I'm going to take my time. Yeah, it's just who cares. I'm d- uh, you know, it's I don't know. I I, I love Uncle Joe. Uh, again, when we say we love a politician, that doesn't mean we think they're infallible. We're in this weird zero sum age where our preferred candidates are either perfect godlike beings or they're horrible, awful garbage people that we wouldn't piss on if they were on fire. Real world isn't like that, boys and girls. Right. Joe Biden has a lot of problematic shit in his past yep. and a lot of problematic shit in his present. He was a politician in the 80s and 90s, <sighs> folks. Fuck. Everybody who was a politician in the 80s in and the 90s 70s. was an asshole, right? I mean, that's just true. Like, they were virulently anti-gay, uh, anti-LGBT. Um, he was he presided over the Clarence Thomas order. hearings. He, um, I mean, he's got, yeah, he pro, yeah. Tough on crime, which is also code for. And you know, Bernie's uh, got all that policies. shit too, yes, and nobody likes to talk about that. But that aside, for a moment, I don't want to talk too much about Biden. He may get in, he may not. I think his candidacy is going to go way worse than he thinks. Yes, and everybody loves Uncle Joe right now because he hasn't been running in a long time, yeah. and he hasn't been vetted in a long time, yeah. and all this shit beneath the surface, and a lot of stuff we don't even know about is going to come to the surface. And so there's that. But yeah. Stacey Abrams is still kind of... There's kinda... lots of fun memes about Joe. So. Yeah. 
But we like Joe. Joe's fine. He did a, he did a fine job as the vice president. Now he can go away and yes. and retire. It's fucking old. That's another thing. He's so really is Bernie. Old. He's fucking old. He's fucking old. He ran into a shower door. What is that? <laughs> Let me. Can I comment on that a quick second? Because it's already out of the news. It didn't even make it twenty four hours. He he's got this big patch on his head because he runs into a shower runs into a shower door. Uh huh. Though. Like, I, and I don't needed know how, stitches. Yeah, needed stitches from the shower and, entanglement. And he's, he's out back on the campaign trail, and that's nice, and that's fine. Like, doesn't that show his resilience? And but I'm like, are you fucking if kidding If this was me? Hillary, you know, three weeks from now, oh, well, the question's about her health. She's old and daughtering Did and senile. Did you see those stitches in her head? Yeah. She looks very unfeminine. <laughs> but whatever. I don't care that Bernie ran into a shower door. But, you know, I that... Don't care. I just want him to go away. That that is like an old person thing, right? Like you have to get really worried at a certain age, like slipping in the shower, hurting yourself in the shower. That's right. why. That's why if you ever go to like an old folks home or a hospital, and there's those little strings in the shower in case you hurt yourself, yeah. you pull them for an yeah. emergency. Yeah. So I guess we're going to need walk-in showers and baths install now. Install that like, in the White House for Bernie. I Bernie's guess. fucking He's old. Seventy-eight years old. That's old, man. I hope He's I make it that long. Old. He does not need to be the president. That's he's. Uh-oh. I'm sorry, not to be ageist. But it's at a certain point, like, is it ages that we don't have 17 year olds as the president? <laughs> there should be an age limit. Yeah. And uh, he's past it as far as I'm concerned. Uh, also, for millions of other reasons, I don't want him to be the president. But. Beto's in and he's off to a to a, a fast start. And there's some controversy about his rollout video because his very accomplished wife is kind of sitting there smiling, not saying anything. Which yeah, I want to talk about this for a minute. Yeah, go Women ahead. are not big on him right now uh i guess he well it's not that like, he he says weird things on the campaign instagram trail too. thing and they were like the media has covered beto's like esoteric instagram post with more fervor than the four women with serious policy positions have been covered yet true but wasn't he saying something weird about raising the kids yeah that's the other thing they're mad about okay he if he said it once like, we could get over it, but he keeps saying it like it's this funny joke line, like it's this fun thing that's funny and fun, which is that while he's, like, off finding himself in in his, like, runnings in the morning, he runs, and then he, like, posts weird things about how on his run he saw this thing, and he talked to a guy, and um, <laughs> yeah. everyone breathlessly reports about it. But he keeps doing this on the, on the campaign trail. Uh, he says... And then my wife is raising my kids sometimes with my help to tepid laughter. And what the fuck, dude? Well, you what know, are we in 1950? You know why he's saying that. Because I don't. Because Marge in Des Moines thinks it's cute and she can relate to that. It's not cute. But I'm It's not, like people who are like, oh, my husband's babysitting the kids so I can go out tonight. Your husband is not babysitting your kids. Okay, Your husband's not babysitting your kids. Your husband is being a father right now is what he's doing. He's being a father just like you are a mother every time you watch Rach, your own children. Rach, you're not, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Put yourself, take yourself out of your shoes and the shoes of, of every, uh, most of the women you know, and put yourself in the shoes of Marge in Des Moines. Oh, I want to go see what this Beto is all about. And you hear that joke. It's not landing. I think it's landing with Marge. It might be, but it's not landing with the rest of us. I, it's I, not landing with fucking Twitter. It's not landing with like a lot of people are like, can he stop saying that, please? Yeah, not our people. Like, can he stop saying that? I'm not saying he and should And especially be saying it. noting that... 
to your point, his wife is like a pretty accomplished businesswoman that he has yes, she, summarily made into a housewife and mom yes. who doesn't speak during the video because she just smiles adoringly at him. No, that she, shit does not land. She built a very if he's successful trying to get business. The fucking millennial vote. He's not going to do it doing that. I'm not, you're not hearing me. He's, I, he's look, t- he's, what I'm saying, I'm hearing you. I hear he's you taking very, that for very granted. clearly. But he is taking it for granted. Yes. If everybody's like Beto, his biggest thing is like the millennials um, are super energized about him. He needs to get that shit in check. Well, he's, he's taking... Millennial women are not having it. He's taking us for granted and he's going after... Marge, people but, who are never going to vote but, for him, though. Uh, that but he thinks he can have an in there. He is a he is a nice looking, clean cut white guy, right? And if he can make those those folksy jokes, like I don't know how to raise kids or make dinner, my wife handles it. I try, dude, but I fuck all. it up. Ugh, I don't Marge, actually care and, about and Marge my goes, kids. Oh, it's so true. When my husband is home with the kids, it's such a mess. You wouldn't believe what I come home to. Just like those commercials with yeah. the dad trying to make dinner and the mom coming in behind him with the, and, and the bounty s- paper towel. And the, yes. And the, yes. It's my generation. I'm telling you, we are not having it. I, I agree, but it's not for us. He he is he's trying to play that game. It's well, like he's it, going to play himself into that game where Marge might vote for him. But the rest of us are going to be like, fuck that guy. Well, Bernie does the same thing yeah, in, he lost. in a different way. And he lost. And he lost. But. Again and again, we're critical of Beto. We like Beto. I do. I think Beto's a, a strong, up and coming candidate. I think he's a good campaigner. He's got good progressive ideas. He's not great. He's good. Um, he's not anywhere near the top of my to list. Why do we have to fantasize over a m- mediocre white man when there are so many better qualified and, and sort of amazing people? Well, going? we don't. We we there's 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 a lot of great people in uh, the field. Is it going to come back? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, computer problems. <laughs> uh, there, there are plenty of qualified people in the field. Beto is not in my top three, probably. Like I loved him running against Ted Cruz in Texas, and I think everybody did because he's sort of this underdog who stood a really good chance and like ran a pretty courageous campaign down there and like went to all the different counties and like that was all great. Does that translate to? You're going to be a presidential candidate? I don't well, let know me, yet. Let me, let me make a sports analogy for you, okay? That Because I've crammed your head with some football knowledge recently, <laughs> you might get. Let, let's say you're a, you're a junior in college, mm-hmm. right? And you're a, you're a, a running back. And you had a, a surprisingly good season. And especially you had a, you had a really good... Um, like you were not on scholarship, but you like made the team and then you were like, oh, shit, well, he's pretty good. No, you were probably on scholarship, but like you came out of nowhere and had a big junior season and you had a really, especially a big bowl game. You ran for like 200 yards in the bowl game and you got on everybody's map and everyone's like, wow, who's this guy? And even though you had a really good bowl game, you, you probably need another year of seasoning before you're ready to go to the NFL. But in this upcoming draft, there's a shortage of running backs and your stock is high right now, and you're on everybody's radar, and you're like, man, if I jump in right now, I'm going to get drafted high, and I, I, you know, I'm going to get a good fat contract, and this is my chance right now. And I, that is exactly what Beto. But then sees. what happens to that guy is he does that, and the actual like coaches and recruiters look at the whole season and the whole career, and they go, okay, oh, yeah, he's not ready. Well, that's that's the risk you take. 
Right, because he's not ready. That, that's he had the, one good game, and everybody's on everybody's radar. But like, then you look back at the, all the whole other rest of it, and you're like, he pretty much underperforms like on every metric except this one game. Well, it wouldn't be just one game. We had a whole season, a decent, a good season, right? But it was only one season, and typically, you know, you, you need to show more than that to be a, a a surefire, you know, future NFL star. And but Beto may see his opportunity is right now. And I see this all the time following college football. Like yeah. a guy has one season, he gets on the map, the upcoming draft is weak for his position. So like, oh, we need we need a running back and there's only four or five good ones. I guess, you know, we'll take uh, Joe Blow from Maine Tech. Right. Yeah. Like that is, I think, what he sees right now. Like strike while the iron is hot. My name is hot. There's a vulnerable president. And I have this appeal that can go, I can get the, the, the young, energetic millennials and I can get Marge in Des Moines if I, if I come across more folksy and, you know, gross, mediocre <laughs> guy like. And I think that's what he's thinking. Now, there is a risk, right? If he crashes and burns, he's got, he has to, like, start over. Yeah. Um, but I can understand why he's doing it. But again, he's not, he's not in my top three or four probably yet. I have to see what else he does on the campaign trail. I'll be honest, I donated to his campaign when he was running against Ted Cruz. So did I. I was very excited about him. I loved his campaign strategy. I loved all the things about him. That was for being a senator in Texas. That doesn't necessarily, for me, translate to presidential candidate. It's too early. We don't know. It's too early. I'm not trying to shit on Beto. I'm just saying, like, early stuff I'm seeing, I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm. You know, the Bernie people are really going after him. Yeah. Not, not for stuff like that. No, 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 no. They just know that um, but he's they see But they yeah. see him as a threat. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they, they definitely... Which, let's just eat our own. That's what we should do. Oh, it's... it's We're really heading that direction I know. again. It's, it's, I know. It's feeling like we are doubling down on the scorched earth this time. Yep. Especially with the Bernie people. Yep. And, like, the rest of us don't even really have a candidate. Just any of them is fine. And, and I know the Daily Coast people <laughs> seem to really like Kamala Harris. Yeah. But it's real early for that. And some other people uh, really like Booker. And some people really like um, Klobuchar. You know, but the... Warren. Yeah, there's yeah. no there's no consensus. And we are certainly not in, in, trying to position ourselves in any way, shape, or form saying it's this candidate or no. bust. No, no, I don't even have, I don't really even have like a very favorite right now. No, I, no, I don't. I, I like it's, a lot of them and early. a lot of them have problems. And it's okay saying that. Yeah. And Stacey Abrams still may jump in. That mm-hmm. could really change the equation for me. I know some um, white dude at work the other day was like, well, if we can't elect a white woman, let's say we can elect a black woman. And I was like, shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> I wish you really said shut that. Shut your fucking mouth. I did. Oh, good. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the college scandal, which, you know, is like the radio payola thing from a few years ago. Uh, Like, oh, yeah, guess what? Welcome to the reality, everybody. This shit happens. Have you been to college? Yeah. Yeah. You've been in the world. But, you know, we'll talk about it because it's just something to talk about. Yeah. And we'll talk about some other stuff and uh, whatnot. And we'll be right back.
Hello and welcome back to Reverend Testimony. Uh, we have a special guest for this half. Blixa the cat has joined us. <laughs> he may uh, say something or chime in. Right now he's just lounging between cat. us. He's a very good cat. Yes. Yes. He may have something to say, but not right now. In any event, um, let's talk about the uh, the resolution to uh, stop uh, Trump's uh, border wall emergency declaration. Okay. It passed. It passed the House, obviously, and then the Senate. Um, Narrowly. Well, they got 12 Republicans, which is more than I thought. Yeah. Thought they'd get eight or nine. Uh, among those who said, okay, fine, let the president say, fuck, we don't need the Senate. <laughs> the Senate doesn't need to do its job anymore. Is Cory Gardner. Yes. Who is dead meat, toast, whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, I am... So excited about him losing really badly to, I, you know, Mike Johnston is running. I know, and I love him. So Cor Gardner's the uh, senator here in Colorado um, who famously uh, got protested really hard by the disability community mm-hmm. um, over sort of the repeal of Obamacare. Um, he's a garbage person. and He's always been a garbage he's person. He's always been a garbage and, person. And and our local paper here, the Denver Post, uh, endorsed him in 2014 also. for reasons. And now they, they actually <laughs> wrote an op-ed. Yeah. They're like, uh, we take it back. The editorial board yeah. was like, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. <laughs> like, yeah, He's actually assholes. not good for Colorado. No shit. Uh, so, yeah, he was like, no, this is fine. Um. I mean, he has no chance. I would be surprised if he's not primaried. Um, nah, I don't think he'll be primary. But whoever runs against him will win. And Mike Johnston ran for governor um, yeah, he, this uh, last cycle. He, he was great. Second or third to Polis. In yeah, the he was one of my faves. Um, he's good. He's a solid guy. He, very smart, well spoken. Yeah, he did an entire campaign commercial in Spanish, mm-hmm. which uh, excited a lot of the folks that I know because that's cool (laughs) and like let's just embrace the fact that he knows spanish and knows that there are uh latino people living in colorado yeah Um, we're of the top five in the country in uh uh, spanish-speaking population in colorado mm -hmm. maybe three or four i don't remember behind like texas california arizona i think yeah Uh, maybe florida but um yeah uh that's big. He's and great. He's, he's progressive. Great. He's well-spoken. But he's going to have competition in, yeah. in among the Democrats. I think that's true. Kerry I Kennedy think... may run for that seat, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody from one of the good uh, uh, young progressive uh, state uh, reps. Right. So we have run. to remember Colorado has really, really strict term limits. Yes. Uh, one of the strictest in the nation. And so what happens here is that... Um, we sort of have this like cycle of like you become a city councilor and then you get you become a state rep, then you mm-hmm. become a state senator, and mm-hmm. then you run for something bigger than that. And so I think there's a lot of people that are going to be termed out in 2020 that may pop up um, and run for his seat. Um, Chrysanta Duran was among the people that I thought would do that, and I thought she would be great. She's a former speaker of the Colorado State House, mm-hmm. Latina woman. Um, has decided instead to go after uh, Diana DeGette's seat. And, uh, which seems like a foolhardy mission. Which I wish she would not be doing. Yeah. But she is doing that. Um, I think she is a... Would, yeah. So it's not my favorite thing for her to be doing. But that's happening. Anyway, we got way <laughs> off track here. But we were talking about... I know. We about, are going to talk more about Colorado politics, though, because a lot of interesting things are happening well, here. Well, let's, let's go back first and finish our thoughts on the, uh, uh, the emergency declaration, uh, the vote against it, right? 
So uh, Tom Tillis from North Carolina initially said, yeah, I'm going to vote for it. And then he changed his mind and said, nah, it's fine. Let Trump do it. Yeah. Uh, Pence, Daddy Pence at the last minute, tried to do this sort of compromise saying like, uh, we'll let it go this one time, but you, you can't do it again. <laughs> you can't do it again. Well, and Pelosi was like, lol, no. Uh, and so, so yeah. Trump vetoed it. And Trump vetoed it. At first, he just... <laughs> At first, he just just led this tweet that said in all caps, veto with an exclamation point. And some of us were like, does he think like that's it? Like, that's how you you veto things? And then like a few minutes later, there was like a more measure like, okay, I'm going to veto it because this this, is my signature on the thing like you do. It's like, I really thought he thought that was it. Okay, that's done. He did think that was it. And then they were like, you have to actually (laughs) sign a thing, sir. Um. And so Pelosi's going to hold a vote to override the veto, which will go nowhere in the Senate. It's not going to it's not going to pass the uh, House. She no. doesn't have the votes, no. but she it's wants two thirds majority for a over yeah. a presidential override. But she has to show that she's trying, so. and she wants to rankle Trump. Yes. So well, I think she should. I think it's it's uh, politically savvy to do so, even though she knows she doesn't have the votes. Let's put everybody on the record. Yes. Put you on the record. You're saying you're not going to override the presidential veto. Of emergency declaration for border wall funding. Yeah. So I think it's smart. I think people are downplaying it as like, well, it's just symbolic. And it's like, it's not exactly symbolic. It's also, she's really good at helping other Democrats win. Um, and this is a thing that she can make them go on record and tie them to in the next election. And then Well, you got to look at the polling at this too. The border wall is extremely unpopular. The emergency yep. declaration is even more unpopular. Yep. This is not a winning thing for Republicans. Nope. This is this is a, a Trump thing. So you don't say, oh, we don't have the votes, we're not going to call it. You call the fucking vote and make everyone say fucking yep. nay. Everybody on the record. Put out some some lit that says, hey, this person voted this way. That's, that's how politics is played. And maybe. Trump, being Trump, you know, he was putting a lot of pressure on uh, his people, he he you know he didn't want any defections. He's like, okay, yeah. you know maybe one or two Collins or whoever, but twelve was more than he wanted. He was really pissed off about that. Then he turns around in Trump fashion and says, "Oh no, no, it's fine. I told them to. I told them when to. I want my people, I'll let them know." Yeah, it's yeah. like okay, whatever. Yeah, like anybody believes that asshole. No. Please. Well, whatever he says is the opposite of how he feels. Right. That's how to read a, a Trump comment. Yeah. Okay, so uh, moving on from that, what do you want to talk about next? Let's talk about Colorado politics since we were just talking about it. Okay. Um, So as you guys know, um, Democrats took everything in 2018. We have Mm -hmm. the governor's uh, office. We have AG. We have the state house and the state senate. And they've been doing some cool stuff recently. Um, They're getting to work. They're getting to work. Just this week, uh, a bill or a set of proposals, I guess, that will become a bill um, passed out of the House Judiciary Committee with the support of all the Democrats, um, including Phil Weiser, who came and testified about criminal justice reform. So ending cash bail um, so that people who commit low level misdemeanor crimes in municipal courts do not sit in jail for months and months and months because they can't pay something like 100 or 200 up to 500 bucks uh, to get out of jail. Um, this is before they've been, right, like convicted of these crimes. This is just a cop said you did this thing and then you go sit in jail for eight months because yeah. you can't afford a couple hundred bucks. And that is a reality that thousands of Coloradans faced last year. Um, so they're doing that. Um, we ended conversion therapy. Yeah, now illegal. finally. Yeah, it uh, is illegal. Yeah. Jared Polis signed that. Of course he did. He is a gay man. Um, and yeah, that so that was really 
interesting. That's one we've been fighting for for a long time here. It is. It is. It's, right. it's shocking that we, to start in a bad pun, but it is horribly shocking that we have not been able to pass that until now. Right. Um, Even without a majority. I mean, f- fucking come on. Yeah, they just kept sending it to the Senate Kill Committee yeah. when the Republicans had control of the Senate. And so it never got onto a floor vote. And they were like public, oh, no, of course this is a bad thing, but we're just not going to legislate. It doesn't have support. Yeah. And the people who are on the Kill Committee, right, are people who were in really safe seats. So yeah. yay us for getting back the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um they're talking about some oil and gas stuff. Uh, as you guys might remember, we had a, a proposition proposition yeah. right on the ballot that voters would get to vote on about um, how much space had to be between like schools and homes and stuff and, and fracking rigs, which lost. Um, Badly. And I don't think that's going to pass, uh, but Something there will. are um, measures that I think will pass around allowing more local control of of those ideas so allowing like city councils to decide how much space needs to happen um because previously when cities had tried to do that and municipalities um the governor hickenlooper who's running for president oh uh, yeah is he is he still running for tried president to <laughs> stop that he came out it was really weird today i saw a thing that governor hickenlooper presidential candidate Hickenlooper guess needed to make a splash for himself and so decided that he um, was one of his platforms was going to be looking at legalized sex work which (laughs) I love I love that idea of course but he he didn't touch that for eight years as governor did he I didn't know this was a pet project for him. No. Uh, I think it's just because nobody cares about him. He's so gotta he's just get his gotta name do, on the something map to do something splashy to be like, what's sex sells, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so exactly. So that was the thing he did this week, which I thought was interesting. And I'm very for it. Everyone should be was for it. it. Yeah, um, I can see him sitting around with his advisors like, should I leak a sex tape? No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. But okay, well, sex what about work? sex, sex uh, workers? Yeah. Yeah. They're fine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Let's do that. It's very progressive. Sex tape. Could you imagine anything worse? Oh, my God. It would be so boring. (laughs) (laughs) You keep his socks on for sure. (laughs) Or maybe he's super kinky. I don't know. He's a white guy. It's impossible to tell. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So there's a lot lot of other stuff coming up. Oh, uh, Phil Weiser is in the process of expunging uh, the records of any person in the history of the state to have ever gotten a marijuana conviction. Yeah. Um, even before it was legalized, which is great. Um, specific, of course, to people who, uh, that was the only thing, right, on their record that wasn't, like, also, like, you know, um, a violent crime associated with the marijuana, uh, just marijuana convictions. Um, so, yeah, our bright blue state's doing some good stuff. Yes, it is. And that's, you know, that's what happens when the voting matters at every level. Mm -hmm. Oh, red flag bill, uh, which would allow for law enforcement to confiscate the guns of people at risk or people Mm -hmm. who have committed violent crimes. Mm -hmm. Um, That's working its way through. It's very controversial here. Oh, Uh, yeah. It's a big gun state here. It's hard, but I I think it'll pass. And then I think there will be giant blowback from it passing. But it's still working its way through committees. Yeah, well, no one will get recalled this time, I don't think. I don't think so either. Oh, the other thing, before we get off Colorado politics, there's a, a new round of secessionists. Um, this oh. happens every time Democrats take okay. control of the uh, state 
House and, and Senate um, is <laughs> this group of people in uh, rural Colorado, particularly uh, Douglas County, Colorado Springs, and then some like uh, farm counties Yeehaw. just decide that they don't want to be a part of Colorado anymore. They're going to make their own state. And, and honestly, I, you know, I mean. Oh, oh, so, okay. Not like they don't want Colorado to secede from the union. They want a separate no. state. Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. You know, split Colorado. Because there's always been Texas. They're like, we need the nation of Texas. Right. Like, no, this, this is, is just, okay. we want a second state. Okay. Right. And I'm like, I don't disagree with that entirely. <laughs> no, they don't have the same anything as us. And they oh, are unhappy. Oh, yeah, like they will survive without, you know, the commerce and tax dollars from Denver. Right. Come on, please. Right. I know. But, you know, they can try if they want. Go go forth into the night and be garbage and we'll take your refugees. Um, yeah. So that was kind of fun. That happens every couple of years. And cool. And it doesn't cool. go anywhere because <laughs> obviously a lot. <laughs> it's kind of more complicated than they were thinking it might be. Um, awesome. Anything else local? Uh, we, move on? we have a mayor's race coming up. Mayor Hancock who made national news. He's very, for uh, very controversial. Sex old, scandal old stuff. Oh, um, more than that, he's he's a little shady. Let's, let's oh, he's very, very, very shady. Yes. Uh, in the pocket of developers, in particular, also oil and gas. He's a black guy from Montbello, which is a um, black neighborhood that's also very poor. He grew up very poor mm-hmm. and. Um, I was talking to a Lyft driver the other day who's from Montbello also, and he was talking about how painful it is for that community that yeah. he's really left them behind um, sure, and sure. forgotten about them and doesn't really give a he's shit. He's very embedded with the cops, even though mm-hmm. he's tried to sort of do some reform there. He's yeah, It's complicated with him. It is. It is. Uh, I would like to see someone else um, take over that office. There's some really exciting candidates. Uh, Kaylin Heffernan, if you have not heard of her, she's one of the disability activists that protested against Cory Gardner. Uh-huh. Um, I think she got in the race initially as sort of a like, fuck you to Hancock, and mm-hmm. then has sort of gotten a little steam behind her. Okay, so good. Um, I love her. I don't think she'll win. I think Lisa Calderon has the best chance. Um, she's also a pretty progressive lady, yeah. um, but much more tied to the sort of establishment in the state. And announced here first, Rachel is running for mayor. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thought I'd give it a shot. You can keep trying, baby. Okay. I think that's all I got for local news. Oh, uh, we want to talk about the grocery store strike? Oh, yes. Okay, so um, UFCW7, uh, which is the union... Um, here in Denver and in Colorado, uh, service workers and, uh-huh. and grocery store workers and yep. places like uh, that. They have been in talks with King Supers. If you're not from Colorado, you might also know it as Kroger. Um, yeah, it's one of the offshoots of the Kroger. Yeah, you know, which has a chains of grocery stores all over the Midwest, and in it's the, the big grocery store here. I mean, it's yeah. where everybody goes shopping. We've got like it's a like, Safeway here. If you're in, in there, the South, but, it's like Publix. If you're right. in the Northwest, it's like, what is it in the Northwest again? The big Fred one? Meyer. Fred Meyer, yeah. Uh-huh. Which is a Kroger brand, actually. Fred Meyer. There's also Fred Meyer, I think, in Kansas. Uh, like, it, it just, it varies right. wherever you go. But here it's King Supers. Mm-hmm. And they've been in talks with um, the union for a couple months now. And the big thing that they're pushing for, the union, is um, it seems that King Supers and Kroger generally have 
had this policy for a while of not hiring full-time employees. Yeah. Instead hiring part-time so employees they don't have to pay and benefits. then giving them extra hours um, to make them full-time but not having to to give them benefits very, of being full-time very employees. Very old trick. So no paid sick leave, no mm-hmm. paid time off, no health insurance, no life insurance, um, just basically no benefits. But they right. still work 40-hour a week. Yeah. Um, and that's just absolute fucking horseshit, obviously. Yeah. Um, Should be illegal, but for the time uh, for the time right. being, it's not. So the union has to step in and say, well, no, this you is bullshit. can't do this. You have – there's it's, it represents 12,000 workers, um, and uh, the majority of those workers are not – uh, actual full-time employees. So to be even uh, sneakier, what uh, what King Supers has done is the last few weeks, all over town, you've seen help wanted signs. Help Come wanted. join the team. Mm-hmm. We we are seeking team members. Right. No, what they're actually seeking are scabs. Yes. And they anticipated this coming. Yes. And they're hiring a bunch of scabs. To, mm-hmm. to come in and, and look, there's a large sort of semi-indigent homeless population, people sort of on the fringes, people like in and out of rehab, especially here in Denver. There's plenty of people to fill those roles and those people need the work. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Because what you're doing is you're pitting poor people against poorer people. Yes. And making them um, cross each other. Yeah. Um, it's and, tough. And it's really tough. I know people personally who are... They're, they're struggling with it, but they're like, I think I have Considering, to take this job. Yeah. <laughs> I need to, you know, make right. a little money. Right. So And so in the meantime, uh, we will not be shopping at King Supers until King Supers has agreed to um, whatever the union would yeah. like them to agree no, to. And we I have, will not step foot across the picket line in my life. We have some alternatives. Uh, we do. We have a Safeway, which is garbage, but I don't care. I'll shop anywhere without, uh, I'm not crossing a picket line. Yeah. No fucking way. So that's shitty, but I think they'll win. Um, and I think there's enough people, especially in Denver, that won't cross that line that they're going to lose massive amounts of customers. Hopefully. I when mean, I was a kid, my best friend's dad worked for King Supers. In the suburbs? I don't know so much. And he, there was a strike back then. This would have been in the mid-90s. Yeah. And um, he had to come down to Denver, essentially, to be a scab because he was a manager of a King Supers up in Fort Collins. Yeah. And... Um, it was very bad, and he got a gun pulled on him, and like Jesus. there was a lot of shit. Yeah, it was real serious. But yeah. he did cross the line, and he, he did. Uh, he was a scab down here. So that was before I knew anything about anything. Yeah. I was just like worried for my friend's dad. Sure, of course. Um, of course. But well, you still would be worried for your friend's dad, right? I would also have a conversation with him, encouraging him to not do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so if you live in a place where Kroger or King Supers is striking, or really any business, don't cross the picket lines, please. If you can help it. Some people don't Spend have a choice, Spend your money somewhere right? else. Yeah, if you can help it. Like mm-hmm. we can, we can afford to, you know, go and uh, shop at uh, Whole Foods. Or, or Safeway. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. any number of places. Yeah. yeah. If you're in a food desert and you have no option, then obviously... Do what you can. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the college scandal. Mm-hmm. So unless you've been living under a rock, you know that uh, several high-profile Hollywood types are have been indicted for uh, running the scam wherein they bribed different sort of college officials uh, to get their ne'er-do-well kids <laughs> into these Ivy League And big, uh, highly reputable schools. Well, I think what's interesting about it is that, um, well, I guess, first of all, did anyone think that was not already happening? 
Oh, God. Did anyone think that celebrities had the smartest kids on Earth? They literally made a movie about it. We were talking about the movie from the 80s, Back to School. But literally, did everyone think that all of these children of celebrities who ended up at Yale and Harvard and Columbia and Brown, that celebrities just have the smartest kids and the most hardworking kids? Like... Have you ever been to college? Have you met the fucking, we call them here, Trustafarians. Um, yeah. The trust fund kids that go to Boulder to see you and they don't do anything and they don't know anything and they yeah. don't care and they become like hippies and it's just like, yeah. have you ever been to college? You know that this happens. Or, or in high school with these kids, which, right. I, which I did. I, right. I've been in high school with these kids and they don't, some of them are smart and work hard, but a lot of them just, you know, they, they're normal high school kids or they're even worse. They and just, they magically get into Harvard. Like, yeah. no, it's not. Yeah, they wind up at Ivy League schools or Stanford or, right. you know. And uh, and this way the scheme worked was what I was going to say. I thought it was mm-hmm. interesting was there was this like company that existed with this guy. And he was like, everybody would go to him if you had literally hundreds of thousands of dollars in some cases. Mm-hmm. I guess one family spent $1.1 million sure. getting their kid into an Ivy League school. Sure. And what he would do was um, actually like fabricate SAT scores um, ACT scores, uh, all kinds of documentation, changing people's GPAs that looked official, like crazy shit, right? Mm-hmm. This wasn't like a college prep tutor or something. Like this was like literally like making documents up out of nowhere mm-hmm. to get these kids into schools, writing their essays for them, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Felicity Huffman. And William H. Macy. I think Felicity Huffman's the only one that got indicted on that one. No, no, no. Uh, what's her name? And the then other uh, the other one whose daughter, Hofflin, whose daughter was on the yacht of the USC uh, Chancellor or right. something. Right, Lori Hofflin. She was Whoa. Becky from Full House. Aunt Becky. Yeah, I remember um, Aunt Becky. Sure. And her daughter's her... like an Instagram influencer oh, God. who like makes millions of dollars already. Why and does then, she like, need to even go to college? Why does she need to go to USC? I don't know. Um, but her like Something to fall I don't. Back on her mom wants degree. her to have a degree. I don't yeah. know. Why don't you just pay for a degree? Just pay for the guy to doctor up a degree. Your daughter's not going to do anything in college. I mean, that's essentially what's happening. I'm sure she doesn't go to class. Like in some instances. They were there were scholarships for the crew team to get them into school, and they didn't actually row. And it was Jesus. Just, yeah, is wide ranging and awful, and um, not at all, shocking. not at all surprising. I mean, like you know, in a perverse way, the 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 conservatives were right that like this sort of the college admissions entrance is denying. Uh, people uh, based on merit. And it's like, yeah, because a bunch of rich assholes are just paying for their kids. It's not the black and brown kids that are, (laughs) you know, it's rich asshole kids. Right. I mean, it's definitely speaks to a larger problem of this idea that um, voter fraud is really a problem with black and brown people. And then as it turns out, election fraud is happening with a rich white dude. Yeah. And, Affirmative action is taking the entrance from people who deserve it. And really, it's just rich white people paying for their kids to fake it. Like, it, yeah. whatever they're yelling about, you can be sure is the thing they're actually doing. <laughs> yeah, like Trump, right? Right. Or yeah. like, I hate gay people and I can't have lunch with women. And then, yeah. you're like, you're definitely a closet case. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I just think whatever it is that they're the most fervently upset about is the thing that they're doing. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like all the white guys obsessed with AOC that she's the worst. You know, they right. are rubbing themselves raw thinking about her every yes. night. I mean, it's just a reality. It's just, a it's just reality. true. <laughs> yeah. The thing they hate the most is the thing they, that want, the they want or are doing. Yeah. Yeah. They see voter fraud everywhere because they're committing election fraud. Right. They see affirmative action as a problem because they're committing <laughs> fraud. To get their stupid kids into school. Maybe all their kids aren't stupid. And I guess a lot of them were like, didn't know. And like, well, the right wing kind of and... jumped on this because, you know, the, the thing with the right wing is that like the, the professors are bad and college is bad because they're all liberal and safe space snowflakes. And Hollywood. And, yeah. And Hollywood's bad. So at first they did. Then they kind of backed off very quickly because like people kind of pointed out like Donald Trump Jr. was 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 trying to like, you know, pile on and open we're like, his mouth. We're like, wait a minute. How did the fuck did you get? I think it was Yale. <laughs> like, do you think? Does anybody think you earned your way into Yale or Harvard or wherever it was he went? Right. Or like Ivanka? Or He's like shown himself please. to be a fucking moron. Or how did you get into Jared an Ivy League school? Got into Harvard on his own merits? Like, no. Come on. No. <laughs> like, oh, have yeah. several seats. Yeah, drops. yeah, yeah. They, mm-hmm. they they shut up real quick. Um, I, I think it kind of dawned on them. Like, oh wait. You know, maybe if people dug into our shit, it wouldn't be so <laughs> oh, good. Oh shit! Did my dad pay to get me in there? Yes, is the yeah. answer. And like I was yes, talking to you about uh, the movie from the eighties, Rodney Dangerfield. It, it's he pays for himself to get into school, <laughs> <laughs> but he buys he buys a whole wig. And Ned Beatty is the uh, is is the dean, right? He's like, how can we possibly like let you into this prestigious college? You don't even have like a high school transcript. And then the stuffy professor's like, we're just going to debase our university, letting this man in. And he's like, he's like, Phil, he wrote a very big check. <laughs> that's literally the line from the movie. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yep. that's real life. This goofy 80s comedy is real life. And I think it's important if we're going to talk about it, talk about it, which is maybe this is a segue into a conversation about how we value degrees and admissions into these Ivy League schools and how we devalue uh, degrees and admissions from what we see as lesser schools, so state schools and and things that are not necessarily in the Ivy League, and how that is inherently classist and racist and uh-huh. sexist, and how um, just getting a degree from Harvard, even if you didn't do shit, you didn't get in on your own merit, you didn't get a degree on your own merit, um, automatically sets you up for future success in a way that is not accessible to people um, who are not rich and famous. And, That's right. And That's right. talking about why we do that. Um, I went to a state school, and I think I, I got a very a state good school. education. And Same. I um, got a master's and an undergrad from a state school. Yeah, I just that have I'm my still undergrad. shitloads in debt, <laughs> right, even though it was too. a state school. Yep. I went to community college first so that me my too. first two years, Same here. I didn't have to pay for the state school. Right. Um, and you still get your degree from the state school. And, yeah. um, I think that was a really good choice and I'm still up to my eyeballs in student loan debt. Um, and I don't know that my education was that much. I don't know that it should be as devalued as it probably is Mm. having not gone to Harvard or Yale. (laughs) And you know, I probably would have gotten accepted into a more prestigious school, but I didn't apply to them because my parents couldn't afford it and student loans wouldn't have covered it and I couldn't afford it. And so, I mean, it's a this is a class problem that we have, and what it does is perpetuate the class problem. It's a caste system. Wait, shouldn't we shouldn't we yell about the black kids that are at Harvard? Because they're obviously there because of affirmative action. Obviously, right? It's such bullshit. Um, 
No, but I mean, it's a class problem that perpetuates itself because uh, my parents didn't have money and I didn't have money. So I went to a school and I got a degree and now I'm in debt and that degree isn't valued as much. And then this rich kid whose parents could afford anything, including bribing and um, falsifying documents, got into a prestigious school. They already have money. Right. Mm-hmm. And now they'll just have more. And the cycle continues. Yes. So the right thinks this is a story for them. No, this is a story for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a story. And again, it's a, I've bitched about this before. Like Hollywood, those people, they make nice speeches and sometimes they donate to the right causes, but they are not our people. They are rich, elitist They've, fucks. I have nothing in common with them. For the most part. They Other are, than like we probably both hate Trump r- and like r- yeah, kale. Yeah, so what? Rich, elitist, self-righteous fucks. Yeah. They're bad white people. I have nothing in common with them. Like when you try to watch the Oscars and, and, and like there's, they, they just, they're like dogs in the park. They sniff their own, each other's asses all night and smile. It's a giant circle jerk. It is. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and isn't the impact they're doing. And aren't they doing all these wonderful things for all these yucky. And then fucking green book wins. And you're like, oh, okay, well that's all just bullshit then. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's a giant circle jerk for a bunch of rich people who have no idea what my life is like. Sure. Yeah. And my life is like pretty privileged in comparison to a lot of other people. So, so you know, every, no, every time my, my, my conservative people are like, ah, I see those fucking Hollywood assholes in like, yeah, fine. They're not my people. I don't give a fuck. No. I, I mean, I also don't think like, oh, ha- they shouldn't be st- stay in your lane. You can't talk about politics. Like they're a public figure. They, everybody can say whatever they want. Yeah. Um, I don't well, get the idea that like you shouldn't talk about politics if you're a public figure. Well, no, that's I, bullshit because the ridiculous. right loves when Ted Nugent or right. you know some Clint asshole. Eastwood or yeah, whatever with yeah. the empty chair. And like yeah. I, I mean, everybody likes their own they, they celebrities doing it. S- they just have not very many of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, which makes them our people, which they are not. They're no, no. I mean, a few of them are like I think John Legend is solid, and some other. Yeah. Like, they, of course, the, those are the people that came from nothing, right? <laughs> typically, exactly. But you know, no, these are not our our people, not at all. No. And go fuck themselves, right? You know, Alec Baldwin can go I fuck think himself. Felicity Huffman is a tremendous actress. She's fine, and I mean, I really do think we, she's a great actress. And William H Macy's one of my faves. Uh, and Tom Cruise is a good actor, but he's a fucking psychopath. Right. He's not my buddy. But like, I, this no doesn't cares. make them like good people. No. Makes if anything, I think maybe being a sort of a sociopath <laughs> makes yeah. you a better actor. Probably. So, like, I mean, Christian Bale, you know? Right? <laughs> like, I mean, he's kind of a lunatic. Right. You know? He's a you fine actor. Play. You have to. You, you just decide to be somebody different that day and yeah. makes you a really good actor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you embody that entirely. So <laughs> It's know. either that or I've also heard that a lot of the best actors are uh, the most boring human beings. Like, they have no personality of their own. Sometimes, just, sure. just nothing, nothing. I, I could see like that deer from, in the headlights, just nothing behind. I could see that from Brad Pitt. I could see sitting in a room with Brad Pitt and just being bored out of my mind. Like, of course, he would tell you all about his wonderful, you know, yes, uh, his great philanthropy works. in Africa. And- I'd be less interested in listening to him talk. Other things I'd do with Brad Pitt if alone in a room. Okay, fair. No, you're objectifying. I am. I'm objectifying a rich white man. How dare dare you? I'm sure his life's going to be negatively impacted by that now. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to use him as an example. I don't mean to pick on poor Brad Pitt. He's done some good work. So Sean no, Penn, but he's sucks. a fucking crazy he's a ter- wife Brad beating Pitt's a asshole. Terrible actor. Man. He's not a terrible. Sean actor. Penn is a scumbag. 
and he's a great actor, and he's a scumbag piece of shit. I wouldn't piss off, and he was on fire. Brad Pitt seems like a good guy and a humanitarian, and he's a terrible actor. I'm sorry. He's, I don't think he's a terrible actor. Yes, he is. Why? He's terrible. I don't think he's a terrible he's actor. awful. Maybe so, I just didn't notice. <laughs> that's fair. He <laughs> grew up in the 90s, you know? You know, uh, he was Louie. I'm trying to think of her name. Um, God, I don't even remember her name. Jessica Alba. I'm I'm sure is probably not a very good actress either, but I've never stopped and paid too much attention to her. <laughs> I don't even skills. know if she's been in. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen her be an actress. She was in some movie with a giant shark, and then some other movie with a giant shark, and like teen movies or something. Yeah, and then something with a giant shark. Where she swims around in a bikini. Well, we didn't have a movie review, but we've just now objectified a bunch of Hollywood assholes for you. So that was a good use of our time. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I saw on the tabloid Brad cheated on Jennifer Aniston. He's he's not a good guy. Uh, yeah. Monogamy. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like any of these people practice monogamy. Seriously. Come on. Anyway. Um, what the hell else? We got five minutes left. What do we want to talk about? Egg Boy. Oh, well, that, 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 uh, oh God, this is another time I wanted to reach through the TV and strangle the guy on MSNBC. Uh, cause it's the thing that happens on the weekends, it's the worst. I, I, you know what? I'm starting to think that the anchors for MSNBC like sequester themselves during the week. So they don't know anything of what's actually <laughs> happening in the world. And then they, they go on TV and they're like, I don't know what's going I on. I don't know. Let's, let's just extrapolate wildly. Cause yeah. I have no actual information yes. as a journalist. Yeah, it must be. E- exactly. It's it must crazy. Be. Because, uh, okay, Egg Boy was, there's this asshole, was he a New Zealand, Australian politician, right? Yeah. He's an, uh, this asshole Australian. White nationalist. Uh, what they call an shit. MP over there, basically like a senator. Member of parliament. Member of parliament, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, he he's saying awful Islamophobic things and he was going to get up and make some speech and, and this protester smacked him on the back of the head with an egg. And, teen, I'm sorry, he's a 14-year-old teenager. Yeah, and, and the, the MP turns around and slugs the kid. and then they Slugs him and kicks him, yeah. and then a bunch of fascies come over and headlock the kid uh-huh. and like beat the shit out of him. He yeah. is 14 years old. The cops eventually come and sort it out. And now the cops are pursuing charges on both sides. Sure, sure. But I'm, I'm listening to the morning MSNBC guy talk about this. And he's just like, wow, this is terrible. I just, I'm trying to imagine seeing something like that here. And I'm like, what? hey, dumbass, remember what? in the Montana election when Greg Gianforti running for Senate attacked Ben Jacobs of The Guardian? Remember? He, re- he, he like punched him and wrestled him to the ground and there were charges pressed against him and he wouldn't cooperate with cops at first and then he wound up getting elected to Senate anyway. I mean, this like, happens yes, literally it all the time. Here. Yes, it did happen here. And it's just like... Do you live under a rock? What what is Also can I say I just love the kids. Yeah, they're the best. They're the best. Uh so They walked out for climate change this week, worldwide walkout strike essentially of students mm-hmm. um in support of climate change action because they're fucking scared. <laughs> We're literally going to leave them nothing. Um and they should be. And then you throw an egg at a fascist and like I just love them all it's gonna take more than a few walkouts like general strikes and yeah. shit like that or have to be on the horizon and guess but what but what are we doing they're doing so many things I love them oh we are I love them kvetching about it on the internet yes <laughs> so <laughs> we're doing more than that but yeah yeah. Well, that's what we're doing right now. Right this <laughs> yeah. second. I'm just saying I love the kids. Okay. I just think they're the best. Speaking of which, that's going to do it for us, this kvetching session for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week when I'm sure the world will have melted down in other unique and interesting new ways. 
Uh, I've been Travis. I'm Rachel. Find us on Twitter at Irreverent Duo, Reverend Testimony at gmail.com. I'm also realizing now, like an asshole, I never posted the Chelsea Manning episode from last week. Oh. I will do that today. Okay. Give me those links. Yes. Please. And yes. I'll post both episodes today. Uh, I'm sorry about that. Donate to Chelsea Manning's uh, lawyer fund uh-huh. and her commissary. And please write her a letter. Okay. All right. Thanks, y'all. See you next week. Bye.